So it's easier for a small, young, growing company to, uh, to win the race in the short term. That doesn't mean that Southwest isn't a good buy. I'm just pointing out to you that JetBlue may not be as expensive as you think it is. Okay. Go into the next one, the domestic operating revenue per seat. And which, which company is actually the most profitable on a per seat basis? Can you tell? JetBlue, exactly. That's an important fact, especially when you consider that the difference between JetBlue and, say, United is, what, almost uh, 40 cents, right? All right, so market cap, go over to sales. This is an important one, and I always link sales with P-E. Okay, write this down. P-E means price to earnings ratio. What I call that is my reality factor, okay? P-E tells you whether or not investors are trading on reality or hopes and dreams. The P.E. is found simply by this. You take the share price, let's say we're doing it with JetBlue, 57 bucks. You divide the share price by the actual earnings per share, which in the case of JetBlue is about $1.20 per share. And that gives you how the price of the price to earnings ratio. So that lets you know how much more people are just buying into the company than the value of the, the actual value. Now, you'll see N-A, 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 N-A. Anybody have a guess over what N-A means, really? Not applicable. It's not not available. It's not applicable. If you see a negative number, okay, the, the price isn't negative. The price is going to be the price, right? If you see a negative number for P-E, what does that mean? Negative earnings. That means it's an unprofitable company. If you see NA, guess what that means as well? Unprofitable. It means that they have, and that's, you can see it directly in the sales column. Under sales, Southwest, $5.6 billion, and their income is $387, three, uh, 387 million bucks. JetBlue, $814 million, $82 million is their income. All of the other ones beneath that that have the PENA have negative income. They're losing money. Losing money. They, yes, they're year-to-year numbers, and they're based on their fiscal year, not on calendar. All right, so move over to debt-equity ratio. This is important. Just real quickly, the debt-equity ratio is, if you take the market cap and you times it by the debt-equity ratio, that gives you an idea of how much debt it's carrying. Take a quick look at delta because it has the highest debt equity ratio on the chart, 16. So if you times 16 by their market cap of 1.7 billion, approximately how much debt are they carrying? Upwards of 16 billion, a lot more. It's important to know. <laughs> okay, now just based on insider trading. And now this is the first question that Harv asked me. He said that at one point, People were playing around with the idea of just trading on insider trading. It's not a good idea, but when you see big blocks of buys or sells, that's, that's probably an important thing to consider, only to consider. And this is what the last thing before you break up into your groups again. I want you to take a quick look at this. 
Consider that any investment is like a mosaic. And the more pieces of information that you have at your fingertips, the more complete the picture will be. Okay, so let's just take a quick look here. I'm going to click on one tile. So according to Reuters, JBLU, that's JetBlue, their load factor for August 2003 was 91.6%, and that's the highest in the industry so far. That means that if you get on a JetBlue airplane, it's full. <laughs> Every time. Share prices in the sector range from $0.94 cents to $18. Now, when you have one company that's trading so much higher than the rest of the group, guess what boards like to do there? They like to split it because they know that most people just look at share price. So it may be due for a split. We don't know for sure, but we just know how most boards would react to that. So I'm going to continue, and there you go. We, had, when we, we do this actually on our website, and we do a different feature every month where you actually click through the tiles, and it's like a tutorial. It just gets you accustomed to asking a lot of different questions of stock. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, oh, my God, this is just data again, data again. It's not. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. You've just had a lot of information given to you. And the first thing I want you to do before you even talk numbers with your partners is this. I want you, as people, to say which one of these companies do you like the best. I don't care what criteria you use. And see if, as a consensus, you can come up with two companies that you really like the best. Okay? And write that down first before you go into the numbers. Just write it down. Okay, first thing that you had was the analyst recommendations and what stocks you were going to buy based on them. Now you're going to follow your heart. And then I'm going to have you dig right into the numbers. After you guys decide the top two that you like from your heart, dig into the numbers. You're going to have five minutes. And then I want you to come up with the more complete picture, considering your heart and considering the numbers, which one would you pick? And then we'll go into the news. Okay? Take five. Get back with your partners. And by the way, the reason I put you in groups is this. You can fool yourself, and you can not ask the questions, but you're not going to be able to fool three other people. You're going to have to justify your choices. All right, I want to clarify one more thing. Price to earnings ratio. The most important thing is that isn't that you know how to calculate it. The most important thing, you will learn, don't worry. Remember, it's a path. The data becomes information, the information becomes knowledge, the knowledge becomes wisdom. You will learn how to calculate the price-to-earnings ratio as time goes on. What's really important, the core, keeping it simple here, you want the PE, you want one of the considerations, you want the PE to be low without being negative or without being not NA. Because if it's negative, or if it's in A, that means the company is not profitable. Okay, I'm going to give you one other clarification on this. That doesn't mean that you don't want to invest always. For instance, when JetBlue first came out with their IPO, they had in A because they had invested in paying employees. They had bought a lot of new planes. So they had a lot more expenses than they did sales. Okay? So young companies, if you see an NA in there, then you might want to consider it. Is it a growing company? Is it a leader in its sector? Is it going to outperform? And if so, if you think it's going to get to positive earnings in a pretty reasonable fashion, which JetBlue did, 
then you'd still want to buy into it. Another time when you might want to buy into a company with NA is if the company is going through a renaissance. Maybe they took a big beating. There's a, there, a friend of mine owns a company called National Lampoon. And this is one of them, it's a silly company, but it's, you know, it's one of the most name brand recognized companies in the world. And it was traded under the symbol J2 because the guy who bought it was, you know, more interested in himself than the company. And he called the company, changed it from National Lampoon to Jim Jamero Enterprises. <laughs> Guess what happened to the stock? So they have this whole new team, came back in, rebought the company, changed the name back to National Lampoon, changed the symbol to NLPN. They don't have positive earnings right now, but they just released the 30th anniversary of Animal House. You know, they just bought a college television network. They have all these things going on. Maybe it is a company to look into. I'm not saying it is, but if you were a college student and you, really, and you saw the National Lampoon College Network and you loved it, you might want to look at the stock. I'm not going to, but you know, you might. <laughs> No, actually, I do own it because he's a friend of mine. But <laughs> All right, so I know that this is difficult. But again, let me tell you that what my job is always is to keep it simple. And that's what we do every single week. We publish twice a month. And in each magazine that I publish online, we try to keep it simple for you. And that's the entire goal here. I'm going to take you through the news very, very quickly. This is always something to consider, and I told you the two most important things. The two most important things are consider the source of the news that you're getting. If you're getting it from the Wall Street Journey or the New York Times, Reuters, or the Associated Press, it's probably really reliable. Still, do not trade on headlines and do not trade on hot tips. I'm going to give you a quick example. Headline read in the New York Times in December, early December of 2002. United gets $1 billion from their unions in concessions. And the stock popped. Okay? On the fine print, page 13, I already knew this. And, of course, I had quickly written it into my magazine so that nobody would do it. And I had done a big alert on my website. They needed $1.5 billion. Okay, that's a big discrepancy. They didn't get 1.5 billion, they didn't get the federal loan guarantee, and they filed for bankruptcy within 20 days of that headline in one of the world's most respected newspapers. Okay? Never trade on headlines. The most important information is in the fine print. The writer doesn't even write the headline. The headlines are written by editors for pop value. That's it. They're trying to entice you to read it. Then you read the headline, you pass the word on, and you have a bunch of people who go out and buy into pie-in-the-sky stuff, and it's, it's not sound investment advice. Unless they do that, and then you short the stock. <laughs> which which uh, happens and can happen. All right, second thing. And I, <laughs> this is something that Harv came up and talked to me about just now, and this is the most important thing that we can talk about. Timing, again. If you've picked your company, if you found a stock that you like, when do you buy it? That's the key. When do you buy it? Do you buy it now? I mean, the stock market's been on a six-month rally. Look at this. You can see it in the numbers here. I'm going to go back up to that top again. All of them are trading at their 52-week highs. You've got Southwest trading at a 52-week high. You've got JetBlue. Now, if the stock market does, goes down, then you want to wait a couple months and buy in. If it continues to go up, then you'll wish you bought right now. How do you know? Well, that's my job. 
That's the job of economists. You know why major economists predict the future? Analysts look at the past. So don't look at analysts, look at economists. So for information like that, I go to Steve Forbes. And do you know why I go to him? Because he's won four times a thing called the Golden Owl Award. And this is awarded to the financial person who writes the predictions that most, uh, that come true, basically. And he's the only one who's won it four times. Here's what he says. We're going to have 2.5%. He's, he's well-known in America. His name is kind of synonymous with money. 2.5% uh, gross domestic product growth in the U.S. this year. 4% growth in 2004. We have already got signs in America of increased capital spending. Profits next year will be above people's expectations. When profits are above expectations, what usually happens to the stock? Goes up, yeah, because people get very excited. If the analysts say oh, they're going to make two cents and they turn in four cents, guess what happens? Everybody floods in and buys it. Okay, so I'm going to give you two things. Sharpen your pencils. This is really important to write down. Statistically, historically, there are two catchwords about the stock market that you should know. One is called summer doldrums. Summer doldrums. The second one is Santa Claus Rally. <laughs> Do you want to know how I made 200% in a bear market in 2001? I bought in August and I sold in December. Almost 50% of stock market gains are made in the fourth quarter of the year. Last year in October was the low of the year. The year before, in October, was the low for the year. The year before that, same thing. Back to 1999. In 1999, there was no low. It was a straight woohoo. Okay, and guess what? That was an election year. Guess what this is? This is an election year. And I'm going to give you another quote by someone I really respect. And this is a man who manages money for billionaires, pretty much exclusively. His name is Paul Woods. Don't forget that we have an elections year this year. Amazing things happen in election years, including economic recoveries. We think the economy will start to do better by the end of the year. Okay, so you've got two people saying that. 